Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. A super pen. That's a formula teams that are perhaps a little bit short in the starting rotation have used with a lot of success over the past two decades. In fact, the Colorado Rockies used a similar approach when they reached the playoffs in 1995 and again during the World Series run in 2007. Colorado may be trying that approach again this coming season, and lefty Lucas Gilbreth, the pride of Legacy High School, is healthy and expected to be a big part of that. Lucas joins us this week to talk about his injury rehab, training in Colorado during the offseason, and how the Rockies may surprise some people in 2023. That's all coming up next on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Don't go away. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Manny, first of all, it's a good thing we're not sharing a studio today because I've got the crud, and uh, hopefully you'll hear it in my voice. Some people say my voice sounds better when I'm like this, so maybe, <laughs> maybe it's an improvement, but I'll do the best I can to muddle through. In the meantime, we have a very special guest tonight. Uh, Rockies left-handed relief pitcher Lucas Gilbreth is joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, hey, you're not excited. Don't, don't get me excited. You're, you're tolerant. You're tolerant. I get it. I understand. You legacy yeah, guys. I, I, I honestly don't know why I let Mark call everybody to come on to. Well, not everybody. I mean, but a lot of the local guys to come on the show because I'm not really sure how they end up on the show. It's just a very courteous thing <laughs> yes, that they do for us, just, including you. So nice. we're very appreciative. But uh, hey, how's how's um, how are things? How, how's give us an update on what's going on? Yeah, off season's been good so far. Um, arms coming along great. I think arms should be ready to go for the season. Feeling good. Starting to clean up some stuff and get stuff ready to go for the season. It always sneaks up on me. So yes. it gets to this time of year and you guys know you get, you're like, Oh crap, I got to get this done. Yeah, that five done. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It all sneaks up on you, but yeah. you know, I'm excited to go down there. I'm excited for this year. I think we got a good group. Let me ask you a question. Uh, explain the injury you had. A lot of people, you didn't have any surgery, avoided surgery, but explain exactly what went down and why your season was cut short last year. Yeah. So I had a, grade two sprain on my UCL and grade two strain on my flexor tendon. So grade two is mostly a strain or a sprain, but with a little bit of tearing. Yep. So yep. on my elbow, fortunately the tearing wasn't going across the ligament. If that makes sense, it was kind of peeling off the bone. So 
in this case, PRP injection was like the perfect best case scenario because it elicited a little bit of scarring on that ligament, which ended up kind of scarring it back down to the bone, letting it repair itself. And I mean, I've been throwing pain free. I'll be into bullpens next week. So it seemed to have worked great. So only with pitchers can you ever get fortunately <laughs> and tearing off the bone in the same. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's all relative, right? I'm telling it's you, all relative. Is. It's a sliding scale. And these, these terminology, this terminology now, and these, and what these procedures now are just, they're almost space age. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, speaking of UCLs, Trevor Story. Yeah, uh, today we found out that uh, Trevor Story is going to have uh, Tommy no, basically five, like Tommy John Light or something. Yeah, yeah. it's like um, a bracing yeah. procedure instead of swapping out the ligament, you're tacking it down almost. Yeah, so uh, Man, we we saw this coming two years ago, didn't we? Well, we I was going to say, like, you know, honestly, um, you know, we wondered about you know the Rockies not not um, trading Story, and then uh, and then he, well, you know what? Maybe they were onto something, right? I mean, yep. that elbow, obviously, um, uh, he, you know, this comes as the Red Sox lost their shortstop. So, yep. um, you know, it's uh, so it's, it's story's obviously not going to be there either. I mean, and it sounds like he couldn't have done it anyway. So, uh, but that's a former maybe Rocky. That's, maybe why that's why the Boston guys aren't voting for Todd Helton. They're mad. <laughs> Todd Helton's going to, Todd Helton, man, I tell you, he's going to, he'll be in by next year. It's a, it's pretty amazing oh, how yeah. fast, and there's how, a how chance. fast it's going. Saying there's a chance. All right. Um, Lucas, Lucas, explain um, what the offseason. I know, and we'll talk about what you're doing with young kids. Unfortunately, my guys chickened out. I'm oh, just, no, you're I, fine. They just, they, no, they chickened out. They they said, Coach, we just want to go back with our teammates. And I said, you guys have a chance here to work with the Rockies. And they're, <laughs> they're never, neither one are going to be hard throwers. They're, they're really going to benefit from working with you. Maybe next year. Maybe I'll talk them to do it yeah. next year. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But talk about your offseason program. Um, how much time you – well, you had to take time off, obviously, for the injury. But in a typical season – you lay low for a couple months, weights, all that. And then when you start ramping it up? Yeah. So usually in a normal year, season ends like last couple of years, early October. Hopefully it ends a lot later next year. But um, I usually take three weeks-ish off of lifting, throwing, all that. I don't go to the weight room. It's more mental than it even is physical. Yep. But um, usually around first week in November, I'll start light lifting, getting back into it, a little bit of running, and then um, start ramping it up and I usually won't throw till about first week of December almost because that gives me you know three weeks let's say to ramp up and then three weeks on the mound and then two weeks of actual live BPs or whatever I want to do to get ready for spring so yeah. I'd say early December usually for throwing and then I'm off the mound um, this year's a little later obviously but usually by January seventh ish i'm off the mound and ready to rock about this time yeah yeah i want to i want to for just for our listeners um obviously our listeners are rockies uh, fans and followers so they'll they'll know a lot of this but i want to put it out there because it's important you 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 were you've been very good for this team in the two um major league seasons that you even the one that you know obviously got cut short last year but you've been very good uh three three eighty ERA in that first season um a 143 ERA plus last year Right up until that injury started bothering you, you literally had the exact same ERA, three three eight through August fifth, and um, and so honestly, you've been just in a bullpen that has been um, most bullpens are unpredictable, erratic, but 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 but, but in this case, yeah, it's been tough, and so and obviously you're you're you know it always comes with the the uh, the elephant in the room that you're pitching at Coors Field for half the time. So, um, tell us kind of what. Um, what's been your key to adjusting to 
the major leagues when you first came up in 21. Now that's two years ago now, but also just kind of being able to uh, keep hitters, um, you know, keep hitters guessing because obviously this game is a game of adjustments and counter adjustments on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Um, biggest adjustment for me coming in was throwing out of the bullpen because in high school, obviously, I'm a starting pitcher. In college, my junior year before I got drafted, I was a starting pitcher. And then all the way through the minor leagues, all the way up until 2020, I was a starting pitcher. So uh, it would have been fall of 2020. I go to the fall league, which um, was instructs that year because of COVID. So I'm there with you know a combination of guys that are fall league candidates and 19-year-old kids who have just gotten into pro ball. So that was my only real experience in the bullpen. They had me throw, I think, 10 appearances in that instructs league. And then I roll into 2021 and I just kind of got thrown into the bullpen, kind of baptism by fire. So that was a big adjustment. And fortunately, we had some great guys like Bard, Estevez, even Oberg when he was around, Kinley, to be able to say, hey, try this or don't do this or maybe think about this. And you know, kind of helped me through the baby steps and learning to walk in the bullpen because it's different, right? And you're learning, when do I get warm? How do I warm up? What do I get ready for? How do I stay locked in? It's a long game. And so. it's and it's every other day, right? Yeah. And Rather it than could every be sometimes three it's every day. Sometimes every yeah. day. Exactly. It could be three in a yeah. row. You could be off for five days. So yeah. they helped me a ton through that stuff. It's, and I think that accelerated it for me. It's really a big difference. People don't understand that it is a big difference pitching out in relief versus starting. If you're starting, you get to, you have a routine, you get to you throw. You take a day off of exercise, you throw in the bullpen, you exercise, you have this routine, right? Now you can't, if you want to lift weights, you want to do all those, those things, you're doing that after the game. Yeah. You might be available the next day. I mean, I went through a stretch um, in 1987. I know that's a long time ago. 1987, 21, man. My younger brother's 30. What is he's, he's born in 1987. <laughs> okay. Get them all out now. Get them all out. You now. know, my brother, he played for I airports. Know, you better. I do know your brother. Um, 21 days. I didn't, this is right in the middle of Paul Mahler's 41 game hitting streak. I had a 21 day. We, we were joking. We called it my sitting streak. Our starters. I was a long man. Our starters were going well. We were playing well. That would never happen good. today, by the way. I know. Never. And I didn't pitch for 21 days and I kept bugging them. Can I throw in the bullpen today? Can I do this today? And they yeah. said, no, we might need you tomorrow. That's really tough on a relief pitcher. If you don't get a little regular work just to stay sharp. Uh, and, and oftentimes they'll say, well, you can't overdo a bullpen today because you might be in there tomorrow. That's as much mental as physical, don't you think, Lucas? Oh, absolutely. Especially as the long guy, right? Because yeah, it's yeah. always it's always the what if. It's like, yeah, what if we yeah. need you tomorrow? And then, like you said, you go three weeks and yeah, like, what three weeks going. And then guess yeah. who the first guess who the first guy I faced when I came in? I uh, yeah, I don't even want Yankee to Stadium, Dave Winfield. Yeah, that guy, yeah, that's what always happens in. too. You're yeah. off, and exactly. you're like, we'll throw him back in. Yeah. I mean, it happened to me this fine. year after It'll the COVID fine. thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. go get Schwarber with the bases loaded. Like, sweet, that'll be fun. Yeah, you mentioned so it, you, you mentioned Scott Oberg uh, today. Um, officially, he he's moving into that new role uh, in the Rockies front office. Um, tell us a little. I mean, you you obviously you've been here with you know around him a couple of years, but tell us a little bit about just kind of the presence he has been for for you guys and what he might bring kind of to a new role. Yeah, I mean, I can't even really put in words what kind of guy Obi is. I mean, he's somebody that no matter what's going on in his life, he'd be a guy that would shoot you a text after a rough outing or a good outing to say that was awesome or you're all right. I mean, he went out of his way to help me and, you know, countless other players. So I'm excited to have him in that role. And I think he'll be able to help even more players. And I texted him a little bit about it uh, about two or three days ago. And I think he's already excited and he's already trying to find ways to help guys. So it was awesome. And I think, you know, it's so sad what happened with his career and, 
it's one of the most unfortunate things you'll ever see, but he's always been so positive and always tried to, you know, do what he can in whatever facet that. Yeah, he was picking up, man. He was an all he was an all star pace when he got. He hurt. was good. He really, he was really off. good. I mean, he was he was one of the more reliable guys, um, and, and he's been here a long time. You know, yep. if you think about it, mm-hmm. so um, it's going to be. You know, uh, you know, they brought in Bud Black as the first um, former pitcher to to manage, um, and and you know, putting pitchers in the front office may not be a, a, a bad idea either. Uh, here here in this, and speaking of you know, pitching at altitude, you've done it your whole life um it's kind of the obligatory question uh that we ask you know kyle freelander we ask we had pierce um, johnson a couple weeks ago. we had pierce johnson a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago basically anybody who's pitched here growing up you guys you, you know there really is something to it there you guys tend to be better here and um is it simply a matter of not having thought about it all that much before or yeah that's kind of what i always like to say is it's it's all relative as we kind of said earlier it's like this was our normal so every time we'd throw growing up you're like that's just is what it is so i think it's easier for us to adjust to you know to adjust your breaking ball your approach everything yeah people you know you gotta make an adjustment when you go to sea level but it's easier to back off than it is to add on And, and you know steve reed all his greatness when he was here grew up in montana so same thing. He'd talk about, well, I got to hold a little tighter. I got to spin a little tighter, but I'm used to doing that because I grew up in this. And when I go to sea level, I back off a little bit. It's, it really is an advantage. Yeah. Now, you know, who, you know, who knows that Lucas is bud. Yeah. Last year when we talked to you one, one day before a game, also had a chance to talk to bud a little bit and his eyes looked, yeah, I'd love to have all the Colorado kids I could get because that fear factor is gone. It yeah. is gone. And talk about the idea of staying here to train though. Cause Kyle goes to Scottsdale. Pierce stays here, even when he was playing in San Diego, but he's working out here. You're working out here. I think that's a big advantage. I I understand Kyle wants to get out of the snow and get down to Scottsdale. I get that. But it's a big advantage to train here in the offseason. Yeah, he's a, he's a fake Colorado guy now. Yeah. Okay. I give him a hard time. Ooh, okay. Yeah, but no, I mean, I joke with him. He's obviously throwing in Arizona. It's nice, and I can't, yep. uh, I yep. can't begin to question him on that. But, yeah, the training here – I mean, just for me to be able to manipulate pitches and see what things do here, it, it's so different. And there's no real replicating what you do here other than being here, right? I mean, people have said Albuquerque is similar. It's not. Colorado is Colorado. Coors is Coors. So just to get to work at this altitude and, you know, even just the training aspect, aside from even the pitching, to get your body in shape and to get yep. your – Exactly. Even your lungs in shape to yep. play here year round is a huge piece of it. I gotta, I gotta say, I, you know, this has been happening for me lately, and I am, I've never played past high school, so this, and this is gonna show. Um, but I just want to kind of put into perspective us uh, lay people versus professional athletes in Colorado. Um, I, you know, I've just had such a hard time with my hands and dry skin and everything else here lately. Um, just the sinus patches, passages, and everything. I started actually drinking some water and guess really? what all the concept and guess what I, I I'm drinking like I'm basically like drinking water all day now like all just have some water near me and I feel great and it's just like yep. I just ne- you know I'm I was I grew up in California Bay Area I I just like you come here I've been here for five six years now I'm still you know start trying to figure things out and for you guys to have to have just all the normal stuff that you have to deal with and then on top of that you're you're throwing a baseball to major league hitters up here um, where everybody knows what happens to the baseball. It's uh, it's quite a thing. And it's really, um, it's really amazing. That takes me to another question that we asked um, Pearson. You know, we, we've talked to a few of the Blake street bombers here on this program because we love going back and talking to those guys from back in the nineties and stuff. Um, but 
they, you know, that early, that first playoff team in 95, their formula was, and granted it was a short strike shortened season, but it was, their formula was, you know, if our starter can give us five innings in five and give up no more than five runs, we'll win the game because our bullpen, our bullpen, it, they figured out how to just lose the fear. Like uh, Mark was saying, lose the fear factor that Steve Reed was on that in that pen. Mm-hmm. There was a lot there. There was um, Kurt Liskanik and all those guys. And I remember talking to Joe Girardi about the, um, that last game they had to play. They were the first NL wildcard, the Rockies in 95, and they had to beat the uh, giants at home. They were down eight to two late. And he's like, that's like two to one, you know, yeah. especially in the humidor times. And they were confident. Do you think that that kind of a style can play again where, you know, throw your ERA out the window and just try to make it so this team can come back every time and win? Because you're, let's be honest, this team has only won more than 40, has been over 500 three times on the road ever. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that course hangover. And do you, do you think it's just let's chalk up the 40 losses, but let's win 60 at home and let's do it like this, where we have that tight bullpen and get, and keep our guys in it late. Yeah. And I, I mean, you alluded to, I think it's an approach and a mental side. And I think that is a valid recipe because I mean, we said it to ourselves in the bullpen a lot of times and a lot of the older guys are big on it. And it's like, our job's not necessarily to make sure we never give up a run in the bullpen, right? But our job's to keep games close because if you keep games close in Coors, and it's the same with the starting pitcher, if you can keep a game close, anything can happen. And then, you know, on the road, things need to change a little bit. Yeah, maybe, you know, we do need to pitch better. We need to make, we need to keep our team in games. But at home, especially, it's let the offense do their thing and our job's to keep them in the game. And I, I don't think that's a crazy recipe at all. And I think there's a lot of people on board with that. So hopefully we can get it working. How hard is it to change that mentality though? Like how, how hard is it to, for guys, maybe it's not as hard for you because you pitched here all the time, uh, you know, growing up, how hard is it for guys to come in here and say, you know what, because they're getting paid based on ERA and the course factor doesn't exactly, you know, help them. So. Yeah. That's the hard thing too, right. With free agents is, you know, one who really wants to come here if they're striving, because if you're, you know, set up to make a lot of money, you're not going to go somewhere that's going to kill your stats. But I think there is a group of guys and we've got a few of them already that want to pitch here because I don't know, they're crazy or they like it or whatever. You have to be a little bit crazy, right? Yeah. And they want to win games. And I think Kenley's a perfect example. Bard's a perfect example. I obviously love it. I think Pierce is going to be an awesome fit for our bullpen. So it's, it's one of those things. It's, I think even Brent Suter will be great. It's, you got to find guys that are kind of crazy that don't care, you know, don't get too wrapped up in it. And they recognize, you know, if I have a 4.5 ERA or a five even next year, but we win, you know, 95 games, I'm not going to say a word and I'm going to be excited because I like to win. And I think yeah. that's kind of the mindset you need to take. Well, crazy. Now. Crazy goes with left-handers, right? We yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. That's, just yeah, um, we that's add, the truth. Add another well, then they one need today. more than one left-hander. We're talking to the only yeah, left-hander. Yeah, yeah, add, yeah. Another, last add, another, add another one today. Guy Block was back today. <laughs> yeah, they, got, they signed the, oh, yeah. another, Abad, another Suter, obviously, and then Abad. And, mm-hmm. uh, so they got a couple of guys they're working yeah. with here. Nice. Lots of lots of weirdos left. Tilted lots hats. of weird ones, yeah. Lots of hats in the bullpen this year. And that, yeah. that, that might be a big advantage. Who knows? What do you think, though, about 2023? Um it's kind of an interesting, we've talked a lot about it on this podcast in previous uh, episodes. Um, it seems like a way, it seems like a, let's see what we got here. Um, but, you know, there are three wildcard spots obviously now and, and, you know, it's baseball, anything can happen, but do you feel like this is a 
let's see what the children can do. Let's see what the younger guys can do. The guys who are coming up in the pro like, what do we really have at first base? What do we really have at shortstop? What do we really have uh, in these, in these, uh, with, with these younger guys coming up? Yeah, I think we're kind of in a middle ground, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Because like you said, there's three wild card spots now. And I don't think I'm not going to go out and say, hey, we're going to win the division this year because, yeah, we could win the division. But at the same time, it's one of the it's the hardest division in baseball, if you ask me personally. And we do have a lot of young players. So, yeah, to me, it's going to be a combination of, you know, can our veterans create an atmosphere where the young guys can thrive and we can win a lot of games. And I think it's it's definitely possible because one thing to I've keep in mind someone and they're good one, athletes. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind is that with the new schedule, one last road trip to California to play those three fewer games against the Dodgers. Fewer games against the Dodgers against the Padres. Padres. Right. Yeah. Um do you, now that mean probably means a little more travel for you guys, I'm guessing. Fewer yeah. short trip West Coast. How do you guys feel about the new schedule? I I like it just cuz just from a variety standpoint, right? Cuz Last year and the year before, obviously, were kind of anomalies because of COVID and because of the lockout and all that. So there were a couple of those trips where it's like you play the Dodgers six games in a row or you go to San Diego and then to L.A. It's it's hard. So I think it'll add a little variety, which, you know, it's it's not necessarily fun playing the Dodgers back to back to back to back to back. They're, they're a good team. So, yeah, I mean, at know. least you could do is mix in some uh, Yankees with Aaron Judge and a little yeah. Trout and Otani. <laughs> With the Angels, yeah, I like it. They don't they'll be, see they'll be here. They don't see me very teams. often, so you hope, yeah, you, you know. might get to pitch to to Otani. You know, I, I know mean, he's one for one off me. I need to get him back. There you go. You could you could you could lower his batting average by five hundred points. Man. <laughs> one one pitch. also, one you pitch. also get to play. It's not just the Yankees and, the, and those guys. You also get to play some of the weaker teams in the American League, and yeah. there are plenty of those. Yes. Right, so it kind of does give you, I think, a chance to to improve on the record, get more teams in who haven't been to Coors Field, are familiar with Coors Field. Are maybe a little intimidated by Coors Field. Yeah. Um, you can make some hay in, in that situation. And if you think about it, it's, I mean, I'm sure you experienced that you talk to guys from other teams and, you know, like a Madison Bumgarner is like, oh, you're pitching on the moon. There's such a stigma about this place, too, where awesome. if you don't play here regularly, guys get freaked out and it's an yeah, advantage. Right? That's how it should be. It should be the visiting team that's freaked out. Not to, well, like, yeah, we talked a lot about that, too, right? Like you guys yeah. need to, you know, you guys, it, it's to your advantage to make your home home ballpark a terrible place for other teams <laughs> yes, to come in. Exactly. I mean, they used to, in those year, 90s years, they used to come back and on the plane back, and Ellis Burks would say it all the time, I, on the plane back, it would be like Nightmare on Blake Street coming home, you know, because yeah. we are going to absolutely terrorize pitching you know at mm-hmm. home yeah. and we're gonna you know we're gonna just wear them down and wear them down and you know i i just you know again it, it seems to me that you know and again i'm I, i'm on the outside looking in but it seems to me that it's a situation where if you can win 55 games at home every year you're going to be in position um and this is one of the perhaps the greatest potential home field advantage no um, in baseball absolutely and that's it's a mindset too, right? You yep. look at you have to look at it as a home field advantage, not as a you know a lot of guys I've played with or played against look at it as like oh crap I have to pitch it. Well, you can just I'll think yourself. The mindset, right? you, yeah, oh yeah, you no try question. and shy away from contact, and then you walk a guy, and then you give up a blooper, and next thing you know, then the famous infamous right. Coors home run hits you. That's what I won't happens. name him, but there is a there is a pitcher who pitched here at some point in this team's thirty year history who literally the catcher would come out to him and say, what are you doing? Look, just put some, we've got a great defense here. We got, you know, put the, let them put the ball in play. And he's just like, no, like his eyes are just like deer eyes, like in the <laughs> headlights. Like I can't, I, I got to miss bats. I got to miss bats. It's like a, it was like an obsessive thing with him because yeah. they just freaked out. They're like, I can't let anybody 
put the ball in play because it's going to be a dump single out into short <laughs> yeah. center. You know, yes, because that's uh, what gets you more than the home runs, right? That's yeah. what I always tell people. It's that huge outfield. It's not, you know, home runs are home runs. It's you don't see as many cheapies in Denver anymore where yep. breaks a bat or whatever. You yeah. see the bloopers though that you know. There's so much. Graphic. Yeah, a few years ago, I did a story on Statcast cheap home runs. You know, like because now we can tell solid barrel. Yeah. That. Why don't you rename those Tony Walters home runs? <laughs> That's another subject. But uh, although he, <laughs> you got, brought, he, up, you brought up he, barrels, he caught on with the twins, though. He's you in brought the up barrels. Has he had a barrel in four or five years now? It's, it's, I don't know, man. I don't think so. But um, yeah, barrel watch is back on. Walters barrel watch is on. So um, but anyways, so uh, the the um, at course field, this was years ago. So it's like five years ago. I got to maybe update it. But the cheap home run, I was just curious, like I was curious about here and Wrigley about when the wind's blowing out, like if you can get cheap homers. Coors was seventh on the list of percentage of home runs that were quote unquote cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And number one, obviously was Houston because of yep. the Crawford boxes. And then number two was, I think Fenway, New York number three has was the Yankee, Yankee stadium. Yeah. yeah. So it, Philadelphia. You know, yeah. And so um, it, it's, it's really is, like you said, it's the outfield. It's, it's the, it's the extra base hits and the singles, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, cause everyone wants to play deep and you know, we've, we got to get Spilly back on here to talk about that. He has another idea about that. He's like, I don't think they should play as deep out there. And who else was it? Well, there was also um, uh, another one other guy we, we were talking about. I, I totally agree with that. I'd rather they take away the bloopers. They hit over over your head. They earned it. Yeah. In front of you, they didn't earn it. So I'd, I'd much rather have them play a little more shell, but it takes a special athlete. Well, you know, Jim Edmonds, I, I was doing a story uh, on with Jim Edmonds. And he's like, I was asking about how those great catches. Obviously he has the one where, you know, he like dove over his shoulder and diving yep. in Kansas City or whatever. Well, he's, I was like, did you, why do you play shell? Why do you always play shell? He's like, because for my pitcher, it's more demoralizing for him to give up a hit in front of me than it is if he hits it over my head, because right. at least the guy earned it. And yeah, that's exactly. Him. Exactly. But, so yeah, that's, that's well, but that brings us to the topic of defense. And this team, in the good years and the playoff years, and Lucas, you watched him play when you were younger, the great Rockies teams, the playoff teams, have had great defenses. Manny brought yeah. it up a little bit earlier. You know, when, when they went to the World Series, they had Tulo play, playing shortstop, and he should have won the gold glove that year. Uh, he should have won the rookie of the year, too. But this team, obviously, not quite so good on defense a year ago. Um, Stu Cole is – is Stu Cole still in the – he's still in the organization, right? Yes, he's not the third base so. coach anymore. But somebody's got to do do those drills because we'd watch him before games work, working those infielders. Now you got young guys like Tovar who couldn't be spectacular defensively, mm-hmm. and I think that's really a key point because when when the catcher comes out there and says, put, "Let him make him hit the ball, make him put the ball in play," you got to have confidence they're going to catch it behind you. Oh yeah, and I think honestly, we had a rough year last year to an extent because of how talented we are on defense. I think the guys we have out there, I think we could be really really good defensively. It's just. Well, you got you a gold glover now at second base. Yeah, so you got a gold yeah. glover at second. Tovar is one of the most elite shortstops I've ever seen. Trejo, even if Trejo's that short, is one of the best shortstops I've ever played with. And then McMahon is normally a rock-solid third baseman. So I think, you know, depending on what the situation is at first, obviously with the DH and, you know, Montero and Crone and those guys and even Toglio oh, kind of moving around, I think – in the infield, we could be solid. And then I think Servant's solid defensively. I think his throwing wasn't as good this year as I've seen it. So I think that'll be a positive. Diaz can throw well. And then in the outfield, uh, Gritchick can fly. 
And uh, we've got some of those young guys out there now too that may be good fits to fly around out there too because the more ground you can cover, I mean, yeah. between Daza and Grichik and mm-hmm. even Chris Bryant for as big of a guy as he is, he covers some ground too. I think that could be solid out there. And, and then there you go. You just mentioned the the, the biggest uh, the biggest name in the lineup right there that's going to be back is Chris Bryant. You hope he'll be back for obviously for at least 150 games this year. But um, what's he been like? Um, obviously, he hasn't been on the field as much, and that's been a kind of frustrating I'm sure very frustrating for him in particular because he wants to be out there helping you guys out. But he's talked a lot about being the older guy now. I mean, he's well, he's like 31, but mm-hmm. he's the older guy, quote unquote. And, you know, he said when I was in Chicago and we had, you know, I was, I was young and we had such a young team, but we had some really like Ben Zobris type guys, like guys who are really great mentors. And he seems to want to be that. Do you kind of get that feel or sense from him? Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously what happened this year sucked. And I think he was, you know, more hurt than anybody could be. Um, by the fact that he couldn't play. But I think he definitely tried to take over some of that leadership role, and he's trying to make strides to be, you know, that Zobrist or whoever that helps guys out and gets on guys when they need to be. And I think he's definitely pushing towards that. And, you know, like you said, I'm hoping he has a good, healthy season this year, and I think he'll continue to grow as a leader. And, I mean, I've enjoyed every interaction I've had with him, and I spent a lot of time with him at the end of the year because we were both hurt. and I have nothing but good things to say about the guy. Even outside think, of baseball. What do you think is going to happen with Charlie Blackman? You, just between us. Is this his last year? Just between be... us and everybody Ooh. who's listening to this. That's us. a tricky question, that actually, because <laughs> Chuck's crazy, right, Chuck? Yes. Chuck might play 10 more years if somebody lets him, but I think it'll be a function of – I think he wants to – Chuck always wants to prove to himself that he can still do it, and he is always able to do that because he's a freak and – you know, he's one of the best raw baseball players you'll ever see, even at his age now. I mean, he has his bat to ball is incredible. I still don't understand his approach, but I think he'll play for a little longer. I think he'll be a guy that keeps dragging it out just because he can and because he's good enough to do so. Well, uh, I, we just hope it says a DH because he's not much of an outfielder well, anymore. It's either, I mean, it's either Charlie and the children in 2023 or Chris <laughs> and the kids. We're to have to figure out what we're going to call you guys. Now, I think um, I, I, I just, I don't, it's not like I have my pulse on the Rockies fan base, but I, I got to believe they're going to be kind of excited this year to see younger players um, yeah. and see what they've got because, you know, um, there have been different, you know, everyone wants to play GM, right. And, 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 and about 99% of people aren't qualified to do that. But a lot of people, I think maybe <clears throat> thought this should have happened earlier on uh, where, okay, let's, Let's see what we've got, and let's kind of then decide to add pieces around that in free agency. It's been a quiet, you know, winter for you guys, and I think that I mean I think that's a good thing because you guys are kind of like in that, like let's see what we got, and then like next off season, off season after that, maybe we can add pieces around what we know is we have legitimately on the on the roster with these young guys. I honestly think that people at Coors are going to be kind of excited because especially this fan base, I feel like really appreciates the, the young kids making good sort of story. And um, especially local ones, obviously like yourself, but, but also just guys coming up who are just playing hard, playing for a spot and come through. So Mark, you, Mark was here when, when it was the uh, generation, was it, what'd you guys, what they call them? Generation R, R, you know, like Todd and the toddlers, you know, and, and everything. Um, and saw that time, but I think this time it might be even a little bit more exciting. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, some of these young guys, Tovar, for example, especially is such an entertaining player and he plays so hard and 
you know, I think the nice thing about baseball now too is like you can develop and learn and win games is what we're seeing with a lot of these teams. So I think it'll be entertaining to see, you know, because these young guys, you saw it towards the end of the year last year with the Diamondbacks was right. They had a lot of young guys, but they were playing their butts off and they were winning games. And you kind of got to the point where you're like, wow, like, you know, maybe they're not going to make the playoffs this year, next year or whatever, but they've got something rolling in the right direction. So, and, you know, going back to the Rockies and the Rockies of the past as a Rockies fan, all the teams that have done well have had a group that's kind of come up from the start and right. developed together and created that winning atmosphere to get into the postseason. And Who was your favorite? Who was your favorite Rocky when you were growing up? Oh, Todd Helton, for sure. Okay. All right. Well, tell us, tell us, tell us how you feel about Todd Helton's uh, chances and for the Hall of Fame now. He's only in year five, and he's looking at breaking 60% this year. Oh, I mean, honestly, aside from the, the positives of it, it's frustrating to see people not vote for him. That's what I, I get. I'm with you. I, I get irritated going through right. social media. I'm like, oh, you should see Mark's Twitter. I mean, Mark's oh, always tweeting God. about, you know, tweeting every single, virtually every single ballot that doesn't have Todd checked on. You're embarrassed. You know, guys, who, guys who vote for one guy, Dan Shaughnessy's ballot today was a joke. One yeah. guy. He voted for Jeff Kent, and that's it. I mean, what's he trying? What are you trying to prove? You're trying to draw attention to yourself instead of doing your job. Well, that's all it is. Yeah. And, and Jason, we had Jason Stark on a few weeks ago, and he, he laid it all out. He said the, the the numbers bear it out. The guys, clearly, park adjusted numbers and all that. Clearly, a Hall of Famer. It's, it shouldn't be close. And I don't know why more people won't listen to someone like Jason Stark. But again, the East Coast bias is alive and well. It's always going to be there. Well, they didn't listen on on Stark. Is Stark has voted for Larry? Had voted for Larry Walker for that's years. Right. Nobody yep. listened to yeah, him yeah. either on that. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, man. The people just don't do their homework is what I think. Yep. It's just, they oh, don't, yeah. There's just no easy understanding to say of Coors what Coors is. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, Coors. But it's like, oh, you want to talk about every time he then had to go on the road. and Exactly. Exactly. He was still a, a well above average hitter on the road. It drives there, me crazy. There were only two guys from 2000 to 2004 who had a higher adjusted OPS. Two guys than Todd Helton. And that was Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez. That's mm-hmm. it. And and that's that's saying a lot, you know. And as far as wins above replacement, two thousand to either oh four oh five, he was like fourth on the list of all players. So, you know, that's a good chunk of time where you're like the best first baseman in the game, virtually. Oh yeah. And it's like, um, you know, I think people are the good thing. The good news is it's going to happen. I think mm-hmm. now it's just a matter of uh, when, not if. Whereas. I think a couple of years ago, it was a matter of uh, totally a matter of if for any Rocky at that point. To, if Todd, to... if Todd would get out of his shell a little bit and get more public, maybe go do yeah. some SEC games on TV or something like that. Put his <laughs> yeah. face a little bit. Mark, you got to be. You need to be his agent, man. Uh, listen, it worked for Steve Atwater, right? That's what Steve yeah. Atwater. How Steve Atwater got in the Hall of Fame. He started going on radio and doing stuff and got out of his shell, and all of a sudden, hey, this guy was pretty good. I think that's what it's going to take for Todd. Hey, before we let you go, Lucas, um, yeah. I want to talk about what you're doing. Speaking of kids, what you're doing with high school kids, young pitchers right now in the offseason. You're not just training yourself; you're training kids as well. Yeah, we've got a. Uh, this year's been pretty exciting. We've been rolling for about a year at my facility, and. Uh, We've got, I think, about 40, 42 high school kids this year, which has been awesome. Um, we've run them through everything from, you know, the lower half mechanics to upper body strength to, you know, just general pitching mechanics. And now where they're even getting to play around with a little bit of the pitch design stuff, which, you know, a lot of them aren't ready for, but it's cool. It shows them kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. So it's been great. We've had a lot of guys enjoy it. We've got 10 college guys. I've got four pro guys now. Um, that have kind of been thrown so it's been fun i and enjoy you can, 
you can teach them the nuances of being left-handed because yes, you can't do that. Those are my favorite guys. Those are my favorite guys. Different. Yeah, they pick well. It's like whenever somebody, whenever a friend of mine has has a has a a kid, I'm like, just teach just teach him to be left-handed. Heck yeah. Heck yes. Okay, because he'll get like yes. five extra years in the major leagues yep. just from that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just because he left. Jesse Orozco. There you go. Absolutely. You go. Well, that's really cool. Tell us how that how people can get in touch with you if they want to join that program. Yeah, it, well, you can go to our website. It's vtoolelite.com. V as in Victor. Tool as in like a whatever hammer or whatever. Elite.com. So it's a good spot. I mean, I love working with the guys, and we're trying to do a lot of fun stuff. And you're, you guys are up in Broom- bats and stuff. You guys are up in Broomfield. Yeah, up in okay. Broomfield. So it's a good spot right now. Hopefully, we'll be in a new spot. Don't let don't let years. Thomas Harding in there though. Okay, just <laughs> I'll I'm let serious. Thomas in there. I'm ser- You need to you need to be careful about how much how much you let him in if you're going to let him in at all. I'm just if, telling you right if now. You let him in, he's going to come in and try to redesign all the uniforms. Yes. <laughs> First of all, he's going to redesign your logo, and yes, the logo's yeah, he's gonna, gone. He's going to do all. I got to admit, he's very he's very good at it. He's yes, very good. At it. good at it. But, but then you have to deal. A, Thomas has never met a logo he couldn't redesign, though. That's right. He's like Wait every single second. one he can fix it. And then and you so, have to deal with his craziness too. Though. And he's right there in Broomfield, so he may come and come and bug you a little bit. But um, obviously, you got to be happy about the legacy baseball program. They're they're rolling. Have that a bitter rivalry with Broomfield now. Uh, you probably work with kids from both places. Oh, absolutely. It is kind of funny. It's uh, they're they're all civil, but you can tell there's still a little bit of chippiness. And you know, I, obviously, I'll be playing probably when they play, but it, it's fun. I mean. If you'd have told me ten years ago that Legacy would have played Broomfield in the state championship, I would have told you you're crazy. So it's a testament to both programs and both coaches. Obviously, I know the Legacy coach really well, Ty Giordano, and he's built a heck of a program there. So you know, even this year, I, they coming into the facility and they work out. So seeing them and they have high hopes and they're working their butts off. So it's cool. It's cool for Northern baseball in Colorado yes, because agreed. it's been limited other than Rocky Mountain over the last. Yep couple decades agreed well hey we're really glad that you're feeling good um the arm is in shape you're getting there are you gonna be ready for opening day do you think oh yeah i'll be ready what? barring anything crazy knock on wood i i'm, I'm feeling ready to go so i'm excited well, that's, that's some good news right there this pen could look a lot different next year manny you, you, i know i don't brent, brent, brent Suter's gonna be a starter or a leader, well, you got kinley back you got you, you, you got, you're getting you're bringing the pierce Johnson in you got lucas healthy <laughs> You never know, man. I mean, tell you, you know, and if that and if that does click, I mean, we talked about that that kind mm-hmm. of formula earlier about yep. keeping them in the game and and uh, letting their the offense do their thing. And with some young players, that could be exciting late in games this year. Of oh course. yeah, I'm excited. I think I think people will be surprised this year. All right, could be a fun year. Hey, Lucas, we'll let you go. Let you go celebrate the Georgia win. I mean, you yeah. went to Minnesota, so I'm not so sure why you're excited about Georgia. <laughs> oh, it's the wife, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's the wife. There Until you gotta we keep can the, keep the wife, Georgia. I'll root for Georgia. Keep the wife right. happy, man. Got to right. be a bulldog when you got to be a bulldog. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you got to do what you got to do. So. We Manny, won our bowl game. It was time to be a bulldog fan. Manny says Manny says he doesn't like football, but he's a closet football fan. I think. I, mean, yes. I think you're a closet. A, football. I, yeah, I mean, I I I I I used to be a big Niner fan when I was growing up. So. Steve yeah. Young, Jerry Rice, those guys. So it still takes me back every once in a while. All right. Hey, Lucas, we'll, we're going to let you go. Thanks very, very Thanks much. Thanks a lot, Lucas. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Thank you, guys. We'll, have see a good you, night. we'll see you this season. All right, yeah, Manny, you, we're one. not going to let Lucas do it. You get to close it out. All right, good deal. I don't think I could do it as well as Lucy, Lucas, but uh, here, here goes nothing. Right. Manny will be back to close it out right after this. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. 
It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Wait a minute. Could it be true? Do the Rockies have the makings of a strong bullpen in 2023? Well, consider this. Our guest on today's podcast, Rockies left-hander Lucas Gilbreth, is healthy and ready to go for spring training after an elbow injury derailed him toward the end of last season. Up to that point, he had been very good for Colorado over his first two major league seasons, pitching to a 3.38 ERA over that span. Then you had newcomers like Pierce Johnson, who, like Gilbreth, is a local product, who has plenty of experience pitching at altitude and has the mindset to pitch well at Coors, and veteran lefty Brent Suter, who has a strong track record from his time with the Brewers. At the back of the bullpen, you have Daniel Bard, who, although he's not getting any younger, hasn't really shown any signs that there's a drop-off coming anytime soon. Last season, at age 37, the right-hander continued to dominate with his triple-digit fastball and a wipeout slider, holding opponents to a 162 batting average. Dare we say this could be a decent relief core? Well, of course, that's hard to predict, because there aren't many things quite as unpredictable in baseball as a team's bullpen from year to year. But if it is good... Combine that with the infusion of young talent up and down the lineup in 2023, and this could be an intriguing season for a Rockies club searching for its identity in the years ahead. Manny's getting close to game ready as he closes out yet again. Special thanks to Rockies reliever Lucas Gilbreth, a Colorado high school product, for being our guest. High school baseball in our state suffered a big loss this week with the passing of former Chassa baseball administrator Burt Borgman. Burt did great things for high school baseball in our state, and he will be greatly missed. We're down to five weeks before pitchers and catchers report to spring training. Get ready, and thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.